0: friends. We are here for another um, episode of the CCW 10th anniversary podcast. Today we are talking about connection and uh, before we dive into what that's going to look like we have our community question um, that we like to start our episodes off with. So today's community question is what is your favorite Disney movie?
1: Yes and I I think we should preface this for you know, y'all in the future who are listening, we came up with this one because my kids currently are not in daycare today and are watching a lot of movies because of Tropical Storm Elsa coming through. So it just seemed appropriate. And I've been spending a lot of time on Disney Plus uh, today. So, um, Sarah, I can't wait to hear what your favorite Disney movie is. It probably is more popular than my favorite Disney movie. Um, because when I was growing up, my grandparents actually watched me um, a lot. You know, free childcare is always great. And my dad's mom had three VHS tapes that we kind of alternated between. But my favorite of the three was a movie called Pete's Dragon. It's a musical. It shaped my entire worldview in the ver- the one song that says, there's room for everyone in this world if everyone makes some room. <laughs> and I just really love it.
0: So that's my favorite Disney movie. What's yours? Uh, well, one, I've never seen Peach Dragon, but now I feel like I need to watch it because that seems like a pretty good life philosophy to be teaching children. Um, sometimes movies don't teach children good life philosophies um, or TV shows like Caillou's philosophy is, you know, wine and you get your way. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's a bash at Caillou. I'm sorry if you like Caillou. Um, no, but my favorite Disney movie is Mulan. It's been Mulan since I was like eight years old. Um, I love Mulan. I love the reflection song. Um, I love the light. Like, upending like societal norms and like defying gender expectations and like she's just a powerhouse of a human and I just I love that movie so much
1: it's a good one and it also ends with that 98 Degrees song I just remember like listening to that all the time the true to your heart one I mean I'm not gonna sing it but you have to know
0: (laughs) what I'm talking about that was not like a standout thing for me about the movie. But. <laughs> uh,
1: when I grew up, we, my mom, like our favorite albums were always soundtracks. They were never mm-hmm. like actual artist albums. I mean, there were some, but it just seems like we listened to a lot of soundtracks. And the Mulan soundtrack was definitely um, one of my childhood. So
0: I just remember that song,
1: all of the songs, really.
0: Mm. Nice. Nice. Well, now that we've answered our community question, had this moment of community, which is so important for CCW, um, our connection episode, which is what y'all will be hearing shortly, um, does involve community because we're talking to people in the community, but specifically our main interview today is with Bishop Ken Carter, which is just uh, such an honor and like so exciting, um, to be able to talk with the Bishop about CCW and how, um, he has seen CCW grow and evolve, and like his thoughts on the future of campus ministry and like technology in the church and all the things. Um, Haley, was there anything that really stuck out to you about the interview with Bishop Carter?
1: I really love the way that Bishop Carter sees like the mission of the church so holistically. And there was this moment where we were asking about, um, you know, what hope campus ministry brings for the future. And he said something along the lines of like, I don't want campus ministry to like feel the pressure of the institution. And there was something really beautiful about that, that campus ministry, it serves the larger mission of the church, but uh, it also gets to, to innovate and do things without the pressure that, um, other parts of our connection feel. And so I just really enjoyed, uh, all the things he had to say. Um, it was, uh, an interview that we might put out the full interview later because there were just so many things to try to cram into this time slot. Um, and then also I just had a lot of fun uh texting back and forth with Sarah about our excitement of um these interviews
0: that we had on this particular day. So um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally agree, totally agree. Um so without further ado, because I don't want to keep anyone waiting after we've hyped the bishop in this episode, please enjoy the rest of our episode on connection for the CCW 10th anniversary podcast.
1: the CCW 10th anniversary podcast. I'm Haley and I'm Sarah and we're celebrating 10 years of asking questions, exploring faith and loving one another in CCW.
0: Join us as we recap the last 10 years and hope for the future with individuals who have shaped and continue to shape CCW. We'll share stories, laughs, dreams and insights as we unpack the last decade of living the 614 life.
1: We're so grateful to be able to come together to celebrate the continuation of this ministry where college age young adults become leaders and laborers who will rebuild, renew, and restore their families, communities, and
0: the world. Thanks for listening.
2: My name is Karina Aragon Buchanan, and I'm sharing a little bit about My time with CCW. I first got involved with CCW around, I would probably say it was around 2014, but I really didn't actually really start to get involved until 2015. Um, I was a student uh, at Flagler College, and I got the great opportunity to see CCW kind of come to Flagler and really flourish at Flagler. And I know that it has had an everlasting impact on my life. When I think back to this time when I was in college and I was trying to figure out my identity, I was trying to figure out how the church and God fit into that. There were so many times that I found comfort and uh, space to be able to like really imagine that within the realms of CCW and more importantly with the people that I met there. This space was the first time I ever saw a woman preach. And for 20-something-year-old Karina, that was a very life-changing moment. Up until that point in my life, I had never seen a woman preach. And I that ha- will forever have a lasting impact in my life. And just to know that God was bigger than the box that um, I had been told my whole life that she looked like, you know? And CCW allowed me to have space to wonder and to question things and to kind of just like push back on that narrative. And that is going to be lasting. It's just going to be a part of me forever, you know. If you know me personally, you know my partner Troy, and he worked for CCW for about six years. And so it was a part of my life, even post-grad, as I would still attend gatherings, and I was still very much involved with folks who were on leadership there um, and maintained a means of connection in that way. This is something that I now have language to kind of talk about, but what CCW also brought to me was this sense of connection because um, it connected me to what would – later on be the denomination that I became a part of. And so um, I am now United Methodist. At the time, I was not. And it has just opened my world in so many different ways, Um, being able to connect with people. uh, I had no idea, also had no idea at the time, but uh, I would later go on to go to seminary. I'm actually in my second year at Candler School of Theology right now. And I am still crossing paths with folks who either know Derek or, uh, have attended CCW or they maybe attended a different Wesley, but they were a part of the Florida conference. And so there is a means of connection in that way. And it just, the list continues to go on. And I know that I get to forever recount and look back and draw examples on my time at CCW and the ways that it just has a continued impact on me. Even now, these years later, I was 19, 20 years old when I stumbled into CCW. I'm now 26, halfway through seminary, pursuing ordination within the United Methodist Church as a deacon. And all of this has still a connection to CCW. And that is something that is so special and it just blows my mind. Um, just how vast this world is and just how things can, how many doors can open when we allow God to just kind of enter in and, and the people that you meet, allow them to shape your life and the stories they tell you. It's a really beautiful thing and I'm forever grateful for this space for it.
1: Well, hello everyone, Um, we're continuing this episode, and today we're talking about connections within uh, CCW and campus ministry, because as a United Methodist campus ministry, we talk a lot about the connection that we share with local churches, and so who better to talk about our connection... And then our very own uh, Bishop Ken Carter, who has been our bishop in Florida for the last nine years and through most of the life of CCW. Um, so Bishop, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. And um, there, there's too much in your bio for us to adequately introduce you, but um, tell our partners a little bit about yourself and maybe just your connection to King mm-hmm. the street.
3: Well, thank you, Haley, and it's great to be in this conversation with you, with Derek, and with Sarah and others. Uh, I, I'm the I serve as the bishop of the Florida Conference, which is an area from Tallahassee and Jacksonville to the Keys, uh, and will begin my tenth year in September. I'll also be serving the Western North Carolina Conference starting September first. That's really due to the pandemic and. Retirements and in a, and just processes. Uh, I previously and I'd also say I do some teaching at Duke Divinity School, uh, team teaching a couple of courses, and have been president of the Council of Bishops. Was a pastor for 28 years, moderated the Commission on the Way Forward, and have just been blessed uh, in a lot of ways. My wife is also a clergy. And she's done a lot of work in missionary work in Haiti and disaster relief work. And we have two daughters uh, who both are involved in universities uh, as a teaching and administration and then two granddaughters.
1: Lovely. And then I am sure you have uh, heard this from Derek or someone in CCW, but um, we always start off our one on one conversations with our students with John Wesley's question. And so we just want to know, how's your soul today?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I've been reading a book uh, entitled Cave, Refectory, Road by Ian Adams. He's British. And it just has these three images of a cave, which is the inner life, uh, the inner spiritual life. Refectory is really meals, but it's how we share relationships, how we build community. And road is how we get out there into the world. And I would say, I feel like Through these multiple pandemics, I'm still kind of coming out of the cave. Uh, I spent a lot of time with personal spiritual disciplines, and that was really good, but I missed community, and I'm an extrovert by nature, and and missed kind of um, just getting out there in the world. Uh, One of the real remembrances that occurs to me about the road was really a, a summer a year ago when... Uh, a lot of people were protesting around Florida and being in a march. Uh, it, this one was in Lakeland. And when I think of road, I think of that. But but protest is a way of of how your soul responds to in that instance injustice. So I'd, I'd say I'm trying to balance those things. Um, but I would say uh, I, I feel blessed uh, and. Uh, and grateful that we seem the world seems to be opening up a little, and that does a lot for my soul.
1: So, yeah, I when I thought about this question, I also know that you are uh, famously a lover of Duke basketball, and with Coach K announcing his retirement, I don't know if had to spend a little extra time with your soul.
3: Right, <laughs> right. You know, it's interesting. I was there in the early '80s when he began and his first few years were rough, they lost a lot and a lot of people were saying he should be let go and he should be fired. And it's just, that reminds me that change takes time and, and uh, it's always a longer process and it calls for our patient patience. But yeah, there, that culture is going to miss him. And, you uh, know, I'm grateful. That's just been a fun part of life. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Yeah
0: speaking of your time in college, um, we're kind of curious what your first experiences were with campus ministries, um, if those were in college or if they were later,
3: you know, they were in college and I'll say I've shared this, uh, this kind of personal, but my parents went through a, uh, pretty difficult divorce, uh, in, when I was in high school. And, you know, they were good people uh, just doing the best they could. But that happened. And I think I'd had this dream of going off to school somewhere and getting away from home. And that just didn't happen. I lived at home and went to the college that was nearest to my home, worked multiple jobs. And it was not kind of what I had envisioned for college, uh, but I did find my way to uh, a campus ministry. Uh, it's a longer story. I was in a fraternity for a while, and kind of kind of found my way to a campus ministry that was more meaningful to me, and uh, formed some really neat relationships, uh, and learned a lot about scripture. Went on the first mission trips I went on, and and out of out of that campus ministry, uh, inner city church found me, Methodist Church, and asked if I would be their youth director. Uh, And so for a couple of years, I was youth director at a small inner city Methodist Church in Georgia. And so campus ministry was just a big part of all of that. And I'm very grateful. Yeah.
1: I appreciate you grounding that in the fact that you're college experience was different than uh, what you had anticipated because I think we're seeing, especially with the pandemic, a lot of people's campus experiences are different. They're not going as far from home, um, especially with issues around uh, financial aid. They're choosing to work more, not take out as many loans. Um, And so that can be a challenge for us in campus ministry to try to be ministering to students um, who are having multiple responsibilities in their life in addition to studying and those experiences. Um, And so I'm glad to know campus ministries have been creative and reaching all kinds of students um, before too. So Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Um, So when you came, uh, when you started your uh, tenure as bishop, uh, CCW was just starting out, been just about a year old. Um, How have you experienced the growth of CCW uh, during your time?
3: Uh, That's a great question. I remember having a meal with a group of CCW students in the fall of 2012. So that must have been just a year after the beginning and meeting Derek. And I would say some of what I have noticed uh, has been just the investment in leadership and staff. uh, And and I would say not the investment in so much in buildings, but investment in people. You know, we had a, a cabinet retreat one year where we focused on reverse mentoring and that was really what people in cabinet roles, more, 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 I say, roles at the center of the church can learn from people at the, on the edge. And so Derek was one of three people. The other two were Audrey Warren and Michael Beck, one of three people who were the presenters for the entire retreat for us. And so he, reflected on his model of leadership development and relationship building. And also to see how how the how the fundraising and the revenue streams have happened. And, you know, and of course, the Florida Conference has 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 been uh, you know a big investor both in kind of the normal, the normal functionings of the ministry, but also some some extra things as well. Uh, And so I would say those two things, you know, in May, I spoke to the summer staff at uh, Warren Willis Camp. That's something I do every year. This was a really different year because last summer they didn't have camp. I actually met with that group, too, by Zoom just to encourage and listen because they were very demoralized about not being able to do that, but but anyway, I, this year I met with them in person as I've done every year, and there were some CCW students there, and they talked about the, the role of the of the campus ministry in their life and how excited they were to be there. So those were those are some of what comes to mind. You know, I, I would say the worship when I've when I've experienced the worship either in local churches or in some conferences, that's been really cool as well. So yeah.
0: Thank you for those like kind words and kind of, you did such a lovely job of walking through the different moments you've experienced CCW over the past nine years, right up until the present. Cause we do have a lot of students at Warren Willis this summer. And we have um, one of our assistant directors, Brooke, who is, I believe the team pastor. Um, right. And so I guess speaking of college aged young adults, currently um, we know that social media is space. They are increasingly present and they are increasingly into technology. And all that comes with that. Um, So given those current trends and practices and the current trends and practices of the church, um, how do you think technology and social media will continue to become integral spaces uh, to the functioning for the future of the church at
3: large? Well, my hope is that, you know, this has been a this has been a traumatic, I'd say 18 months. So I don't want to minimize the the harm that's happened to people, the, 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 the disappointment uh, I, I've had, we've had, Pam and I've had a couple of deaths in our extended family from COVID. And then the, the, you know, 30,000 people died in in Florida, the, the public experiences of, of death due to racism, you know, so I don't want to minimize, I don't any of that. It has forced the church it's accelerated our use of technology, we've just had to do it. And, and, and so our most innovative churches and ministries have leaned into that and, uh, and learned about that uh, in some pretty exciting ways. We've had churches that have had 70,000 know, people listen to a piece of music they did or 30,000 downloads of a Bible study. And so we're clearly reaching some people we were not connecting with. You know, my hope is that the future is hybrid. Uh, We had a webinar a week or two ago about the future of the hybrid church. And Patricia Scriven, who's a campus minister, was one of the presenters. And I hope it's both and, you know, being in person with each other is going to always be important, And there's, there's, there's really something about that embodied kind of experience that is really essential. And we, we, we need to lean into the hybrid nature of using digital space to do this. And, you know, someone has used the image that things are kind of unfrozen now, you know, and so everything's chaotic, but everything's kind of being redefined. It's like, and if if a year ago I told a church, you need to invest in technology, they might have resisted. The more astute ones have done this. And so part of that means what we need to stop doing. You know, any, any church, any ministry has got to, I think, needs to figure out how can we lean into and invest more in technology And what do we need to stop doing? Because we don't have an infinite amount of energy or resources. So that's some of what I think about.
1: Yeah. And I like the way that I believe it was during the hybrid church webinar that you shared about um, people who have been disconnected from church prior to COVID, that they've been quarantined in the sense that they might be homebound or unable to come to a local church, have been connecting again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also think it is um, neat to see our students can remain connected to home churches while finding spaces to connect with us as well. Um, We have a lot more to discuss, but we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about campus ministry. All right, while we pause from our interview with um, Bishop Ken Carter, we get a chance to check in with Pastor Vance Rains. And Pastor Vance has spent a lot of time in campus ministry world. And now while he serves the local church in Orlando, he continues to support campus ministry and work with um, what we call the HECM or the Board of Higher Education and Campus Ministry as part of our conference. What's the the biggest difference between uh, spending so much time in campus ministry and now having to transition back to local church?
5: You know, just the I mean, the most obvious, I suppose, is the you know being the the, the, the what you know be, be the, being the soul. Person of my age group in the in the ministry versus now I'm one of the younger people uh, around the church. Uh, that's that's a huge difference. I think the biggest difference is the quality of the relationships that in campus ministry we just feels as though felt as though I, I had so much more. Um, time with with the college students.
0: So you were talking about now that you're involved in the local church and how it's different than being involved in campus ministry, but I guess I'm curious how being back in the local church has shifted your perspective, if it has, on why campus ministry, and I guess specifically CCW's ministry, is important.
5: Yeah, so I I would speak like generally about campus ministry, and then I I think specifically differently about CCW. Um, I, I, you know, I, I wish I wish local churches could be better at serving young adults and college students, um, but unless you're unless you are geographically situated near a college campus, most churches just aren't good at it. Um, most United Methodist churches, and so I I just. I think that campus ministry is just way more strategic, uh, uh, strategically impactful, and um, in, in their ability to reach college students and in, in meaningful kind of ways. Um, and CCW has been doing it for a long time. Uh, I, you know, the thing that I think is has always been unique about CCW that churches could learn from, and campus ministry, every ministry is that. And I and I'm going to give Derek a lot of credit about this is is a is a bigger, broader, more expansive vision. So, you know, even campus ministries that do really well reaching college students may only be focused on one campus, or they may not be thinking about college-age young adults who aren't currently enrolled in campus. Um, I, I and and even you know with the invention of Studio Wesley, again, it's the next iteration of CCW having that more broader, expansive vision of, of what it means to be in ministry um, beyond just a very narrow local group. And so I think we could all learn from that for sure. Um, but campus ministry matters and and CCW matters just because you you all are in a position to do a just much more impactful work with, with college age young adults. Thank you wonderful. for that.
0: That's yeah. so nice, like, and- very generous of you to say, so thank you for those words. It's
5: true, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it.
0: (laughs) Um, In that, you mentioned about local churches not always being best positioned to serve young people, college-age young adults. So, how would you encourage people who are not in campus ministry to support college-age young adults and support campus ministry? What are things that group can do?
5: Yeah, so, um, you know, letting, letting High school graduates and college students know that there are ministries like yours available, helping build those bridges, make those connections, um, uh, encouraging encouraging college students to plug into ministry, not to not to check out during their college years. Or we worry more about where you can get the best education, but don't worry about how someone cares for their soul during their college years. It, it, it's just craziness. So, you know, the more we can do to help young adults know that their faith, their spirituality matters, that they need to be in a community where that can uh, grow and develop and have trusted mentors to help them wrestle with the questions that come up during those years. Um, probably a little financial support wouldn't hurt um, <laughs> for ministries like yours, but um, and, you know, any, any and all of the above. Prayer probably is probably a pretty helpful thing. So, you know, anything that any of us can do, I think, to help make sure that what, what y'all are doing continues to thrive because it's making a difference.
1: Well, thanks, Vance. I really appreciate your perspective. And um, I know you uh, held that role where you kind of were supervising campus ministries when I was in campus ministry. So we got a chance to interact through that. And I'm glad we get to continue to do this work for um, college age young adults together. And so thanks so much for your time in this interview. And uh, we'll continue uh, our discussion on the story of our connections. So stay tuned for more. We are so grateful to our students, partners, and
0: alumni without whom the last 10 years would not have been possible. As your Northeast Florida campus ministry, we rely on your support to connect with college-aged young adults. Because of your donations, we are able to reach 18 to 24-year-olds at UNF, Flagler, JU, and DWU, as well as those who are on other campuses in Northeast Florida or not attending college. We are also able to connect with students both in and out of Northeast Florida on our digital campus, Studio Wesley. Here, we are able to meet students where they are, online, and provide them with a space to ask questions and grow their faith. To
1: celebrate 10 years of CCW, we've set a goal of raising $10,000. That's $1,000 for every year CCW has been your campus ministry. You can celebrate a decade of CCW by visiting campus2city.org 10 to give your one-time anniversary gift or commit to supporting CCW with a monthly gift. Again, that address is city.org slash
0: 10 Thanks for being part of the celebration. Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us for another micro-interview segment. Um, today on our Connection episode, we are talking to our district superintendent, Derwood, um, and it's been so, so exciting to have him in the district over the last year or so. Um, You know, having him as a newer thing, and it's always exciting when you get new people in because they have fresh expressions and ideas that they want to try out, and it's just exciting to be a part of change. So, um, Derwood, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and just yeah, telling us how you are.
4: Hi, it's great to be with y'all always. I just uh, am enamored by the ministry of CCW. Have been before I became the superintendent, and it's just good to be with y'all today. Campus ministry has been a part of the fabric of my life, really, since I began my college journey. Uh, my first campus ministry experience wasn't United Methodist because there wasn't such a thing in the community where I was. But when I got to Florida Southern College, it was just part of the fabric of of the of the campus. Uh, I became very involved in in the campus ministry and worked with the conference to provide two or three different. Uh, We brought all the campus ministries together at Leesburg for events. That was my first experience ever being to Leesburg was when I was in college. Um, That has just continued to expand in my life as a clergy person. Um, I was on the board at Stetson back in the old days. Um, And then at UM in Miami when I served down in the Southeast. And then most recently, when I was the Northwest superintendent, was part of the Uh, formation of relaunching FAMU Wesley, which was a monumental task, but an exciting one that has shown such great fruit very quickly, uh, as well as FSU Wesley. Both uh, when I went to the Northwest, FSU was just in the process of starting the building process to build the new building that's there. So, and now the transition to what I think is is really a a wonderfully formed campus ministry um, here in the Northeast District. just exciting to continue to see the evolution uh, and the opportunities that campus ministries are able to leverage in building relationships with people that point them towards the ethic of how much God loves each and every one of us.
1: Well, I appreciate you um, sharing some experience across different campus ministries in our conference, because what you know, many students and partners may not realize is just how our connection allows us to share and resource with one another and that, you know, your campus ministers are, you know, staying in touch with each other. They're sharing the things that have worked and things that haven't worked. Um, And so while CCW is serving students in Northeast Florida, the work that happens at FAMU and FSU and um, in Miami and at all of these other campuses helps us do our work better um, and helps us learn from one another. So I think that's an important perspective to bring into this episode. Um, You know, one of the things that we get to do um, to try to connect with our local churches, uh, a lot of times we'll go and help lead worship and if, um, if anyone listening has ever heard us lead worship at one of the local churches, you've probably heard me or Derek or someone say that we are that church's campus ministry, that we serve um, the Northeast District and that we are their campus ministry. Um, what does that mean to you? Uh, what would you want like Northeast District churches to know about CCW and the role that we play in? Partnering with them,
4: I just think it's the fabric of the connection. What it means to be a connectional church that we're only, we're not only concerned with what's happening in our local communities, we're we're concerned and involved in what's happening beyond our local community. And what better way to do that than to connect with students? Some that have moved far away from home, some that are lonely, some that are experiencing. Um, emotional distress, some that are um, questioning spirituality, questioning their own meaning of life, to have a foundational Wesleyan traditioned campus ministry that listens, um, that that is pluralistic by nature, um, and I'd say in many ways non-judgmental uh, and more practical and relationship building. Who wouldn't want to invest in that? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I think we've talked a lot about um, the why it matters to support campus ministry and like why, you know, campus ministry matters and all of those things. But I want to go back to one thing you said about um, people and gifts and giving gifts to campus ministry, right? And I think gifts is like kind of an umbrella term for a lot of things. And so I'm curious if you could unpack for us a little more the how you would encourage people to support the college-aged young adults and campus ministries in their lives.
4: I I think just the continuing when we have them leveraging the opportunities to put campus ministry students front and center. Um, As uh, I've shared with some of the CCW folks I have on my phone recordings of CCW leading worship at annual conference. And when I'm having a particularly challenging day and want to get a boost, I go back to that. Apart from that, it's just continuing to regularly remind people, and we'll do this at at our at. We're doing cluster charge conferences this year, which may not mean anything to some of the people that listen to your podcast, but it'll be seven or eight churches all together leadership um, to work on a little bit of the business, but it'll be more about relationship building, uh, sharing the priorities of the annual conference, and then what the priorities of the district. And certainly one of those is continuing to offer uh, the campus ministry that we have and the need that we have for people to financially support that and use those words. Um, gifts can be, <laughs> we, can, we can construe that in many different avenues. Um, uh, money is important and money is, is one of the necessary means that we have to have uh, to do the work that campus ministry so vitally uh, and, and so beautifully does. Um, really on a shoestring. well
0: thank you for those words and that wisdom and just all the things you've unpacked for us today really appreciate it um and really appreciate you making time for us in your schedule i know you have a lot going on um yes yeah, so thank you uh for chatting with us and thank you to everyone who's listening um please keep listening because there's more to this podcast and you know you'll get to hear from some other people as this episode progresses um so stay tuned
4: We want to express our gratitude for the partnership we have with San Marco Church in Jacksonville. The good folks at SMC have supported CCW in so many ways, from the use of their kitchen, to free office space, to financial support and opportunities for our students to participate in a local church, San Marco Church has been a place of deep connection to the Greater United Methodist Church and the growth of our students. Thank you, San Marco Church, for your commitment to serving college-aged young adults in Northeast Florida.
1: All right, so we are back to continue our interview with the bishop and um one of the things I have appreciated the most about uh, your leadership, Bishop, is just the openness to creativity and trying new things. And I have seen that so much in your passion for fresh expressions. Now, you and Audrey Warren co-wrote a book together. You've made it an initiative for the conference, and. Um, I got to be a part of the Pioneer uh, Learning Academy that started a couple years ago. Um, I am curious if you would consider campus ministry a fresh expression, or maybe even how is it and how isn't it a fresh expression, Um, and, you know, what that role is to connecting with college students, college-age young adults.
3: Well, thanks, Hailey. And... Again, just thanks for this conversation and for your ministry. Uh, I I remember early on, uh, I was in Jacksonville, I think, preaching on a weekend. And on a Saturday, I went to some of the first Fresh Expressions training that we did that we were rolling out. And it was led by Will Wold uh, and Derek Scott. And it was just really excellent. And I thought, this is going to really this is gonna really take take root and bear fruit because people kind of got it from the beginning. And I think intuitively, uh, you know, Fresh Expressions is is about trying to be where people gather and where they are and, and to understand their networks rather than being passive and waiting for them to come into our buildings on our terms. But fresh expressions to me is really about embedding with people where they are pubs, uh, in pubs, in athletic fields, uh, in music scenes, uh, in, in digital space, what we call third spaces. And I do think campus ministries can be fresh expressions um, of church uh, in that I think they do. Connect with people as they are in this season in their lives of of higher education, of sorting out what they want to do next beyond uh, beyond uh, that season. And so, I, I definitely have seen a lot of connection, uh, you know, in Florida between campus ministries and um, and this movement, and it's still. Uh, You know, it's still developing and maturing, but there there are a couple hundred Fresh Expressions across our state, uh, and they develop leaders, they form community, and uh, and I'm excited about where it continues to go.
0: Thank you um, for those words about Fresh Expressions and what you see in relation to campus ministry with them. Um, I know for me, one of the things that really, like, drew me in, actually, about the Florida conference um, was this fresh expressions like initiative and this leaning in on it and the church, not just being the single stop building. Um, and so I just, I've always appreciated admired your leadership in that regard and the way you've uplifted the voices of laity and clergy um, yeah. in that area. Um, but speaking of, I guess, other large initiatives and things you've been a part of, um, cause you do do a lot. You have done a lot. Um, You've been a part of several groups that have endeavored to kind of chart a path forward in the UMC regarding our differences around human sexuality and gender, and you've been really outspoken, especially in this past year, about making the Florida Conference an anti-racist conference. Um, In our experience, and in my own experience as well as someone who's not too far removed from that undergrad experience, um, college-aged young adults are passionate about and concerned with building a diverse and inclusive community and being a part of churches that are seeking to do a lot more good and a lot less harm. Um, So what hope would you offer these students regarding the future of the UMC as it relates to those issues?
3: Uh, Well, thanks. Uh, And I would say all of this is a work in progress and my own mind has changed. I would say over time, Uh, I think regarding LGBTQ community, I think there was a time when I was really focused on the unity of the church and trying to hold us all together, not that it's about me, uh, trying to kind of have a place for everyone, but at some point and and I would say that was my role as moderator of the of this global thirty two person group. Um, but then at some point, Uh, And someone kind of said this to me, uh, that this could not be at someone's expense, that the unity could not be at a particular group of persons expense. And, you know, I've so in terms of polity, I've argued before the Judicial Council for the removal of the discriminatory language. I've met with groups of LGBTQ persons and allies had conversations with families. I've mediated just resolutions so that no one was punished. Uh, I've had a tried to create a culture where we did not have trials where people were harmed um, that's been really important to me i've preached about it in local churches and um, and i come in this from a very to me traditional orthodox faith that believes strongly in the grace of god that is not about our righteousness or goodness and and it's just the the grace of God is available to all. And that's, that's, I could, I could just tell one story of Jesus after another, where that's the point, the grace of Jesus is, I guess it has a a greater influence than we realize. Uh, And so, you know, I would say that was a lot of my work um, for a few years and it continues to be. The, the racism was always, there and also underneath the surface, and uh, even in the even in the protocol work we did about the future structure of the United Methodist Church, there were definitely funds in that to address racism and to address inequities. So it was a part of that work. It was never lost. But I would say that these deaths of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Uh, deep into the pandemic, which surfaced this other virus that had been there for 400 years. And I think a, a friend said to me, you know, said, Ken, this cannot be a crisis followed by a catharsis, followed by the status quo. This has to change us. And so in my role, it was to try to keep this at the center I've been trying to work with others on this kind of language of, of that. And, and I believe, and I, I'm generalizing, but I believe that um, if I think about particular individuals who are in their late teens, early, mid-20s, uh, they live a much more multiracial life, uh, I think, than people who are older. Does that make sense? In other words, it's, across Florida, it's just, that's true. That's been true in my adult daughter's experiences. Uh, and, and they also have zero issue with um, LGBTQ acceptance uh, in, in the Pew research. And so the demographic, I believe this group will come like a wave and change uh, and change the church and change the society, the church's challenge is to to be open to their voices and uh, and I've tried to it's not been it's a work in progress. it's not perfect, but uh, I have tried to bring those voices into the conversations and have them be heard. so
1: so much. Just wisdom things that we could unpack in that, and one of the things that I heard that that kind of helps lead in the lead us to the next question is for Gen Z and the students we serve. Um, it can often feel um, a, a little bit siloed in. Um, the voices, the life experiences, the kind of echo chambers to the point where um, our students aren't thinking about the larger connection, the larger church often. um, They're thinking about their experience on campus or, you know, kind of the small place that CCW takes up. Um, However, I think with this focus on connection, with this idea of the ways that small ministry impacts the larger community. I wonder um, what you would tell our students and our partners about the impact CCW has on our connection across the conference.
3: You know, I think the, you know, and Haley, that's a great question. I guess I would begin by saying, I don't think CCW exists to serve the institution. Of the conference, and I've thought a lot about institutions and movements, or traditions and innovation. Uh, I, I feel like for myself, I often stand at kind of the intersection of those things—intersection of the the formal annual conference and things that are innovative. But I guess uh, the impact CCW has on the connection is. It's an important part of the ecosystem, and it simply is a ministry to people at a very critical time in their lives. Uh, I don't tend to think of it as it has to be some kind of product that yields this kind of outcome, Although although at times it does. Uh, but uh, my hope is just that we are present with people uh, in the places where they live, and I've met students in you know St. Augustine and Jacksonville, and um, and it is uh, you know it is the church. And when I preach in local churches around Florida, and I've preached by now in several hundred of them, uh, and I always talk about our connection is. Um, churches from Jacksonville and Tallahassee to the Keys. But uh, it's it's you know, my short list of what's most to me important about the connection is the campus ministries, the camp, the children's home, the justice, uh the, the immigration ministry that we have. Uh and so that's um to me, that's what I would say to a Student or a partner, you're you're a part of something larger. Uh, and if people want to pursue pursue something, there really are a lot of pathways to that. Uh, and that's you know that's a real benefit of the connection. I mean, the United Methodist Church is in 40 countries on four continents. So it's it's just a to me it's a really exciting ecosystem. And a person doesn't have to think I'm going to be a clergy. They might want to be an attorney. They might want to be a business person. They might want to be a builder. Uh, they might want to be a therapist. Um, and there are ways to use all of those skills in this world. And I think the ministry helps shape that.
1: Thank you. And thanks for that scope for our students and partners of just the, the many places that people are, can be, serving, connected to. I know we're, um, one of the things we've been talking about in other episodes is the mission of campus to city being that there is a sort of sending into whatever students are going into that that is still mm. part of their mission, um, and we just uh, recently had a conversation with our first uh, CCWN who was
0: commissioned this year, so that was really exciting. And I guess as we talk about, like Haley mentioned, the the movement, this idea that you know CCW is a movement from campus to city, like people being sent out into the world, and you know that part of our mission is to make disciples for the transformation of the world in whatever capacity they wind up going out into the world. Um, that very future-oriented focus. I guess I'm curious um, why you think campus ministry matters for the future of the church.
3: Um. Yeah, you know, that's a great, uh, I appreciate your mentioning the phrase to make disciples for the transformation of the world. It's uh, the mission of the church and we, uh, you know, it's a great mission statement uh, to make disciples of Jesus is to for us to try to to do the things Jesus did uh, when he was on on this earth, uh, and one way I would begin to reflect on that is, um, persons who go to colleges or universities are by definition immediately in a group of people on this planet who have tremendous advantages. Uh, And we don't often always see ourselves that way. I I mean, you know, and I know you have students in your ministry who probably live pretty close to the margin in terms of getting by day to day, week to week, I know that. And I've I've been there, Uh, but I would say how do we make? I would say, Sarah. How do we make disciples of Jesus Christ who understand who who understand that we have been given much, and much of us is required. And so, people who go to schools like the universities in North Florida, um, I mean, they really they get a grasp of the world and more of its complexity. And they often get tools that allow them to go into the workforce. And, and so how people can integrate their faith with that. And then I think to me, it's really important. It's like, not that my faith is over on one side in a box and my work is over on another side in a box and, You know, I just don't, I don't mesh them together. I think the future of the church is, and I see this in some of our churches, it's how we can have the integrity to uh, help people to do that. Not for the benefit of the institutional church, but so that our communities are transformed. And I would say, you know, I've been in the ministry for I don't know, uh, 38 years. And, And in many communities where I've lived, it was the Methodist people who did the heavy lifting that made those communities what they were. They did the heavy lifting that held communities and families together. And if you dig into more of those stories... And I've heard this. Many of them would also point to a campus ministry that came along at a really important time in their life. And so that's why I think it matters. And if that kind of integration doesn't happen, um, we just simply use whatever power and resources we have for our own good, and then maybe we go to church on Sunday. Uh, but there's not a lot of transformation and a lot of people suffer.
1: Well, thank you so much, Bishop. Your time has been such a gift. Your words have been such a gift. Um, I know uh, we only have you for a couple more minutes, um, but we do have a few rapid fire questions for our, uh, interviewees. Um, nothing to uh, too crazy, but an opportunity to, uh, get more of your perspective, a little bit more of who you are. Easiest ones first. Um, Bishop, what's one thing you can't leave your house without?
3: I would say probably, a uh, cell phone. Yeah. That's,
0: that's a popular answer and a very valid one these days. Yeah. Um, question two a little deeper, Um, and you're probably going to have an interesting perspective on this because of who you are and your relationship to CCW, but what does CCW mean to you?
3: You know, it means um, providing a spiritual home through relationships with people who are trying to juggle a lot of things in their lives. And, and an important part of that is school, but also uh, for many of them, there are other things. And so CCW is trying to is trying to create a spiritual home for, for those persons.
1: And then the last question, a little bit tougher. But if you could say one thing to today's college students, what would you say?
6: Um,
3: That's a great question. One thing to today's college students. Um, Gosh. Um, Probably don't obsess about what you're majoring in because that may change and you can do many things in life and don't worry about majoring in the wrong subject because nothing is wasted. Uh, and I think it takes some time for most of us to find our path. And, and so just simply try to learn as much as you can and don't think that it all has to be linear. Uh, you, I think you, if you just, if you just take the next step, um, I think you'll find your way to what God wants you ultimately to be doing in this world
0: so beautiful thank you so much uh, for sharing your wisdom today with us bishop and for your time and we're just so grateful to have you as our bishop and that you you know were willing to come talk to us about ccw and your thoughts on the church um so thank you and to everyone listening uh keep listening we are gonna dive into a couple more segments before we finish out this episode so stay tuned Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to um, our connection episode of this 10th anniversary podcast. Um, we're going to take a minute now and kind of do a future focus, talk about a little bit of where we're going with this connection and how we can continue to evolve it. And to do that, we are joined by Andrew Simon who is someone um, who I've had the privilege of being in CCW with and working with in various capacities. Um, But I'll let him tell you more about himself and what he's done in CCW and what he's up to these days. So, Andrew, take it away.
6: Thanks, Sarah. Um, So, I joined CCW in 2013 after I graduated high school and moved up to Jacksonville to go to UNF. Um, And I was a, just started as a student, kind of found some gatherings the first semester of my freshman year. And that sort of over time transformed into a student leadership role um, and then ultimately into an internship. And I was a CCW intern for like two, maybe three years. It kind of all blurs together. Um, but I lived in CCW housing during that time and did the internship. And uh, that internship transformed into me being an operations assistant on the staff and preparing meals and helping out with, um Food service at gatherings, as well as the food service for the homeless ministry at San Marco Church. Um, and then during Covid, that kind of transformed away from cooking into doing things like editing podcasts and helping with house management and just all sorts of things. So I've kind of been all over the ministry for a while. What am I doing now? is a great question. I am the worship leader at San Marco Church in Jacksonville down in San Marco. I'm also teaching music full-time at two elementary schools on Jacksonville's North side. Um, And I feel super blessed with all of the roles that, that I'm filling right now.
1: Well, I like the way you describe kind of being all over the place with CCW and then, you know, the roles that you're inhabiting now. Um, I think one of the reasons that we thought of you is the way that moving into work with the local church allows you to kind of, see the connection, see the impact that campus ministry is having at a local church level, as well as the ways that the local church is supporting kind of campus ministry. Um, And so I'm just curious how you've experienced uh, CCW's connection to our conference, if you can speak a little bit more about that as a student and now as a staff member.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I sort of knew kind of how CCW was connected to the conference when I kind of first came to UNF. I, I grew up in Lakeland at first United Methodist church there. It's a massive Methodist church just down the road from the conference office. And so I think if you spend enough time on that church campus, you kind of end up sort of connected to kind of aware of what's going on with the conference. Um, so I kind of knew what CCW was a little bit. I knew what campus ministries were, um, but getting to UNF and getting into gatherings and meeting people I think it was probably like the second semester of my freshman year or early sophomore year. I did a weekend event at Warren Willis with campus ministries from all over the state, and I saw friends that I grew up with in Lakeland and folks that I had met at other camps and events growing up um, that were, you know, connected to their campus ministries at FSU and and UF and just all of these places. Um, and so that was kind of the first time I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is a whole thing where we're all still, we all still get to do this church thing together in different ways." Um, as far as how CCW is connected to the local church and how the local church supports CCW, that kind of relationship, I cannot imagine San Marco Church without CCW, uh, and I, for one, would not be at San Marco Church without ZCW, we were extremely, I think maybe both sides of this relationship were extremely fortunate that we could work together for um, meal preparation, both to serve the community in San Marco and downtown around San Marco church that needed uh, food and needed a place to worship and to gather on Wednesday nights. And also to use San Marco's space and resources to help serve our college students um, it's just one of the most incredible things that I've been a part of and seen the way that these two separate organizations can work together like that and serve their communities in a way that's so efficient and, and helpful for everybody. There wasn't a lot of stress or pressure or, Oh, maybe this isn't working out. It was just, it worked together perfectly. Um, and I feel very fortunate that I was confident able to be put in the middle of all of that. It, it means the world to me.
0: Absolutely.
6: Absolutely.
0: And so I guess on that note, um, Yes, you know, speaking to like this broader connection that we're obviously mm-hmm. seeking to continue to grow, right? Like SNC is right here, but as we expand that and we are connected to other local churches, obviously as well, SNC is just one that is very deeply connected to us at this point. Um, why do you think it's important for like the broader connection, the churches to invest in CCW and CCW to invest in this broader connection, these churches and other ministries?
6: Yeah, definitely. I think I think what we just spoke about is a, a huge piece where I think partnering with CCW can prove fruitful, not just for CCW, but also for the local church. I think one major reason for that, that maybe we haven't talked about so much, is that college students are the immediate future of of the church, in my opinion. I think that CCW is preparing maybe better than any other campus ministry, hopefully that doesn't upset anybody, maybe better than any other campus ministry, maybe better than any other church that I know of, is preparing leaders for the future at an incredible rate. I've had two friends of mine, close friends of mine, graduate from seminary just this past spring. I've got other friends that are in seminary right now and all of them want to be involved with the church going forward and help lead us in a new and exciting direction. Um, And so I think that when local churches invest and involve themselves with an organization like Campus of City Wesley. They are helping shape the future of the church, the capital C church, but also of their congregation and their community. I think it, that's the most important thing for a church to think about is how can we invest in our future? How can we invest in the future of our community? And CCW is doing that on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, thanks, Andrew. I know it's been amazing to me how in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of um, some difficult times for our denomination, which I know Mm -hmm. will, how I still have students who reach out saying, I'm discerning a call to ministry. Yeah. And that's just incredible to me that that's a conversation that's still happening, that they're not discouraged that being equipped to be leaders says maybe I can be a part of the next shift, the next change, the next growth. And I really love how I'm seeing it happen, um, with people who want to serve as lay people as well, that it's not just people going to seminary. It's people who are like, okay, I've got my job and I've got Sundays now that I can come and lead worship or do whatever. So, um, Thanks for being one of those people who's doing that work and for sharing about your experience. And um, I know that small experience with SMC is just one of many that we're seeing. Yes, so yeah. Totally. So I'm excited about the future and I hope other people are too, and we'll just continue this conversation. Absolutely. Well, it was another great episode in my humble, but accurate opinion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Humble, but accurate. I like that. I like that. No, you're right. It was so good though. We, um, we got to talk to, you know, the Bishop and our DS Durwood and, um, Vance Rains, who was like very much overseeing CCW at one point, um, all really essential people. And then we got to talk to Andrew, who's one of our alumni and is now serving in the local church and has like really definitely been a bridge of connection between CCW and churches and the community and like diving diving deep into work. Um, But we also got to talk to Karina who, or we didn't get to talk to Karina, but we got to hear from Karina, nice little flashback soundbite um, about her experiences with connecting, you know, to the UMC um, through CCW. And I think what's so cool about getting to hear Karina talk is like that she is very much in the process of deepening her connection to the UMC, right? She is, you know, pursuing ordination as a deacon and is in like school to get her master's of divinity. Like, so to hear from her is just, I don't know, I think she's a really great embodiment of like this connection. Some people would say that the call of a deacon is about
1: connection um, because a lot of people focus on that connection between the church and the world. Um, But, you know, deacons are... Are amazing. They really are undervalued, and they do a lot in our conference. And uh, Karina will be a wonderful one.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it's even I think more appropriate given that at annual conference they were like celebrating the anniversary of like the deaconhood. Like this is I forget how many years it is. My brain just like blipped out. Um, but that sounds right but like the 50th anniversary of the deaconhood, if it's not the 50th, I'm sorry. I just remember thinking it was really cool that like we were celebrating deacons because I admire them a lot. And I think that they very much play an essential role in the church and keeping us moving forward.
1: It couldn't be, maybe it's 50. Anyway, (laughs) I need to fact check that. But great episode, great episode to come next, next time. Um, where we're going to focus on discipleship. And I think that'll be a great continuation of the way that the connection is about investing in kind of future leaders. And then discipleship is how CCW invests in its leaders and and notices their their gifts and their strengths. And we get to talk to uh, Maddie. That's a really great interview. And yeah, so good things from today good things to come loving doing this podcast with you Sarah same, and daily, same yeah all the best to everyone out there keep listening thank you for listening to today's
0: episode of the CCW 10th anniversary podcast we hope you enjoyed it we would like to extend a special thanks to all of today's guests everyone we consulted with to create this podcast and our podcast engineer Troy Aragon Buchanan the ministry of
1: CCW is not possible without the support of students, partners, alumni, churches, and the work of the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church. To help this work continue, please visit campus2city.org slash 10. That's campus2city.org slash T-E-N and give towards our $10,000 goal to be a part of the story of the next 10 years. I'm
0: Sarah Taylor. And I'm Haley Eccles. And thank you for celebrating 10 years of CCW with us.